All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Daily Faceoff podcast comes courtesy of the Nation Network. Here's your host, Brock Segan, with Dylan D. Berthium and Michael Biebs Bondi. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 8, Episode 7 of the Daily Faceoff Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Segan. we got Dylan D. Berthium to my right, Michael Biebs Bondi to my left. D, how's it going today? Couldn't be happier to be here. <laughs> and Biebs. We're doing good. Uh, it's a Wednesday night. It's a little bit different, but uh, you know, ready, ready to go into uh, so, some people that, that we're quite excited about this year um, as our second part of the portion. But you know, early on, we're going to look at some some guys you can grab off the waiver wire in your leagues. But all these things are uh, you know getting us that much closer to the season start, which is uh, which is coming up in, in just a couple days. So uh, yeah, so this is actually going to be our stuff. last preseason episode of the season because the NHL season starts on Friday with two Europe uh, games in Europe, and then you've got uh, the actual season starting early next week. So this will be our last preseason episode, and what we want to do is just kind of cover some players that need to be talked about that maybe we haven't talked about um, at all or. or you know, enough. Um, basically, throughout our positional preview episodes, we covered about 120, 125 players in depth. Uh, obviously, we talked about a couple more during our mock draft episode as well. So I, I'd say we've probably in depth, in depthly covered 150 players thus far, but yep. that leaves still lots to be talked about here. So we're just going to rip through some names that have put themselves into nice fantasy positions. Um, based on where they're playing in, in the team's line combos or power plays, um, and just kind of talk about how much value they might have and where they, um, sh- you know, how how 
much owned uh, they should be and where their own percentage currently sits. So uh, we're going to start at the top here with Frank Vetrano, who is in Anaheim. We're going to go just alphabetically uh, by uh, team. And Frank Vetrano is currently expected to play on the top line with uh, Trevor Zegras. And we saw last year that Zegras helped turn uh, Troy Terry into a 37-goal man. So Vetrano is really a guy that's been a pretty consistent producer throughout his career, uh, but always in very, very limited minutes, where now he is not going to have limited minutes, you would imagine. Uh, Once he was traded to the Rangers last year, he played around 15 and a half minutes and performed very well uh, with Ryan Strom, a little bit with Panarin. So if he ends up in a top six role with Zegers, I think Vetrano is somebody that is a little bit uh, under the radar right now. Only 8% owned, does offer left wing, right wing eligibility. So somebody that you could consider at the bottom of your roster if you need some help on the wing. Yeah, and he's one injury to Anaheim away from stepping onto that top power play. There's really not much um, as far as kind of, I, I guess, not a lot of depth there. Uh, depth would be the word we're looking for, yeah. Um, Vetrano is just waiting for either, you know, Maxime Comtois to kind of screw up up there or, uh, you know, him to just get hot and he can move himself in there. So it's a nice little pickup. Yeah, I'm definitely more inclined to wait on Vetrano just because yeah. we've been down this road before. We were all excited <laughs> when he went to the Rangers last year and he got off to that good start playing on the top line and the ice time fell off. So, yeah, we've long been a fan of him and, and have long thought that, you know, he should get more ice time than he does. Um, and he can certainly perform in a top six role if he was ever given the minutes. But like I said, we've been burned on him too much. Uh, but I think you can definitely afford to wait because the Ducks only have two games uh, that first week of the season uh, coming on the 12th, which is the Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. The Wednesday and the uh, Saturday, which so the Wednesday is actually a busier night than normal. Typically. Yeah. yeah. Look, there's only a couple games, I think, on Tuesday, the 11th. And then pretty much the rest of the league, uh, save for the two that are over in Europe, will be playing uh, on Tuesday, or on Wednesday, sorry, the 12th. So uh, really no chance you're fitting him into your lineup on Wednesday the 12th or Saturday the 15th. Uh, there are only two games of the week, so I would um, kind of be hesitant to, yeah. uh, I guess, put a claim in form or make, a, make room on my roster for him within that first week. I'd want to see how those first couple of games go, see how the ice yeah. time looks, and that's kind of revisit like, it in the second week of the season. It's kind of most of these names, I think. Kind of well, yeah, probably, I, yeah, I think at least we'll, there will be a trend here of guys that you might not want to pick up right away, but they're people worth monitoring. Um, because I agree with Vetrano, while I like him, I think there's a, a couple more names on this list that have uh, much higher upside, where Vetrano still isn't going to like explode, you wouldn't imagine, but he could be somebody worth the bottom of your roster, where I think it's worthwhile to add somebody with a little bit more upside yeah, in these first couple weeks. He's probably like second the third last name I have on this list oh, uh, going okay. in. Well, let's move um, along here. Pavel Zaka. I've been a hater of, of Vertrano since last year. So, you know, Ouch. bringing it out, bringing it out. Um, but no, I mean, it's good to keep eyes on people in the top six. Always. It's fun. But bring, bring it over to Boston for us. There, yeah. Pavel Zaka expected to move up to the top line with David Krejci and David Pasternak here. Uh, strictly because Taylor Hall is out. Um, he's week to week was on the ice today, but it's an upper body injury. So that's not really going to stop him from skating. Um, but yeah, it is expected to miss a little bit of time. Zaka moves up to that top line, could have a little bit of value. Uh, his own percentage is very, very low. Let me just pull that up here. Uh, it is currently 4%. Ooh, so not really a whole lot of interest here for me. I, he could be okay. But again, I don't think that the um, I don't think that the upside here is too great compared to some of the other names on this list. Um, somebody with a little bit more upside probably is Jack Quinn. Uh, very, very good numbers at the AHL level a season ago. Um, had been skating on the top line, was demoted to the second line the other day, but still looks like a guy that could see some top six minutes in Buffalo. Uh, you know, great numbers, 
basically every stop during his uh, hockey career. So I don't see any reason why he can't be productive instantly in um, in Buffalo. So yeah. uh, 20, 26 goals, 35 assists, 61 points in the AHL a season ago. Uh, had a goal and assist in his only two games with the uh, Sabres. Has looked very, very solid in the preseason. Looks like probably one of the players that you would want to target on this list with, um, with substantial upside. Yeah, he's just, like you said, you know... He, the upside's there, and uh, and the, the guy's just proven it before. Buffalo is one of those teams that, that's going to kind of, we mentioned it last episode, I think they're going to be a, lo- a little bit more exciting this year, a team that people kind of want fantasy pieces from. This guy can find himself on that top power play. Um, we're, we're looking at a pretty nice unit there, um, regardless of, of what, what we've seen in the past. So I like Jack Quinn, I think, uh, as far as safer grabs. You know, if he, if he has a terrible first week, smell you, Jack Quinn, and you can just go for another name that we have on this list. But um, But definitely one of the top ones that I'm targeting here. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Certainly some uncapped upside. You love the pedigree. You love seeing him uh, produce at every level he's played at and eighth overall pick from a couple years ago. Um, and yeah, only have two, two career games to his name. So we don't know. We'd be lying if we said we knew exactly what he was going to do when they give him the minutes. So um, that's exciting in its own way. You know, he could be terrible or he could be the next great thing. So there's a lot of, like I said, uncapped potential here and you want to get in front of that and, and not be obviously slow to react. So yeah, this is one that I'd be fine uh, putting a flyer at the bottom of my roster for that first week and just seeing how the first couple games go. This is a name too. I think if he pops off early, um, you're going to see every media outlet start with the, you know, are we looking at the rookie of the year? And that's when you can trade him for some value or <laughs> package him in with something. Um, not to say that it would carry that much, but we all know how people get, uh, when a rookie gets, gets a little hot early on. So, uh, I, I would like to see that with Jack Quinn and then I'll trade him. Yeah. I would obviously feel a little bit better about him being with Tage Thompson, um, Be a little bit than better, middle yeah. stat and tuck, but it's fine to at least start on the top or on the top six. And then if he makes his way to the top line, it'd be even better. And he's already seen some time there during the preseason. So the hype train for Jack Quinn is underway. Uh, Boone Jenner is somebody we haven't really talked a whole lot about. Not really a guy that's ever been a, a huge producer, but he's going to be getting the first shot um, playing with Johnny Gaudreau and Patrick Laine. So we expect big things from Laine. We expect th- big things from Gaudreau. So I, I would imagine that Boone Jenner can have a pretty nice uh, campaign. So Banger it, leaks too. He'll uh, he'll throw some rig. Yeah, I, I picked him up uh, late in one of my drafts, but it includes like hits, face-off wins and stuff. So he was a little bit more valuable in that league. But you know, nonetheless, he's a guy that that's had a thirty goal season in his can- in his career. Um, usually, hovers around 30, 40 points. So, like, never big numbers, but I think that he he could have a little bit more value here. Obviously, being a strict center though, caps his upside a little bit. But I think again, somebody to monitor early on because if things go really really well with Gaudreau, uh and Line, I think this could be all right for Boone this year. Yeah, he's always been a volume shooter, so. Um you know, from a pure goals perspective, he's definitely relevant in deeper leagues because I think, you know, there's a good chance that uh, if he is in that on that top line and he gets the minutes, he's going to give you somewhere between 20 and 25 goals. But like you said, he could really take a step forward this year. We saw him put up the best point per game uh, production of his career last year with 44 points in, in 59 games. So his assist production saw a big bump just from playing with line A for uh, a lot or, or most of the season. So obviously throwing 115 point man Goudreau into that mix. Um can only add to the upside. So yeah, it's a sneaky one here and it's, it's really nice because you know, he, he's a proven, uh, like I said, volume shooter and could definitely, you know, score a decent amount of goals if he has, or spends the whole year playing with Johnny Goudreau. So I yeah. think, I think we're kind of looking at a guy who's going to be like one of the pickups all year. And we're saying, you know, sneak someone in for the weekend. If they have a nice schedule, I think we're going to be looking at Boone a lot. If he is in that lineup, be a guy who has lower, lower on percentage. And like, you know, like you said, you know, can provide totals across the board, um, every night, especially, you know, 
being the minute eater he is. Um, yeah, I was just going to say, over 20 yeah. minutes a night last year, really, really impressive. Yeah, I was about to ask, does your league have time on ice? Because he would <laughs> yeah, absolutely just, spike that. So Yeah, he, uh, he's a little bit higher owned than some of the names we mentioned earlier at 42%. Speaking of higher owned, Jakob Verona in Detroit, 65% owned, left wing eligible. But Verona, I think we haven't talked about him a whole lot. I think he's somebody that could have a bit of a breakout campaign here for uh, the Red Wings in... Um, 20, sorry, 37 games with the Red Wings. He has 37, or sorry, 37 games with the Red Wings. He has 21 goals, nine assists, 30 points. Uh, the shot volume has been, you know, really, really strong throughout his career. Um, he has shot 21.6% during his time with the Red Wings. So, like, obviously that's going to come down a little bit. He's not going to score 20 goals every 35 games. But nonetheless, I think he's somebody that, if he is available on your waiver wire, has um, very, very high potential here for the Red Wings. The one thing that's worth mentioning, he's only played around 15 and a half minutes a night during those uh, 37 games in Detroit. And he's getting much better line mates this season than he had to work with last year. Um, he's going to have Andrew Cobb. He's going to have David Perron. Going to see power play time as well. So I like Verona. He's a volume shooter for us as well. We always love them. Yeah, I think we were a lot higher on Verona last year because we didn't really anticipate Lucas Raymond coming in and, and stealing that spot on the yeah. top line. So. He also got like injured in the preseason and it just kind of derailed everything. Yeah, yeah. So I'm obviously you know not that high on him if he's only going to be playing 15 minutes a night. But he showed and has put up really good shot volume in those limited minutes. So it's why we were so excited about him last year because if he gets that extended ice time, it really seems like you know he could be up there with the best volume shooters in the league, but just whether or not he gets that ice and, you know, even if he does get 17 minutes is the fact that it's coming at 5v5 with Andrew Kopp enough to, to get him there now. You know, I don't know. So obviously not as high on him, but I still think he's a really good player and hopefully is going to see more minutes this season. Yeah, one thing that I love from him last year, five power play goals across those 26 games. That's uh, that's actually kind of bonkers if you think about it. Across 82, he'd be getting almost close to 20 power play goals. Uh, if he can, you know, tap into that and, and really make it work this year. We've talked about Raymond taking that next step, Sider taking that next step. No reason why Verona can't be a part of that party. Um, I uh, Like D said, you know, it's a, it's a little alarming with the 15 minutes early, so I'd keep an eye. But um, someone that you can you can definitely snag that'll get you goals. And goal-first goal guys are pretty rare off the waiver wire. So, um, you know, they are nice to target. And I do believe he's got both sides of the wing uh, eligibility here, so you can uh, you can squeeze him in there. Um, unfortunately, I think that Detroit is going to be pretty exciting offensively this year, and, and uh, this should be a nice piece. I think last year we didn't even get to see him fully healthy. So no, yeah, he was hurt pretty yeah. much the whole year. Yeah, even those 26 games, he just didn't really look like himself. And when you're joining, you know, at, at game 50 of the year and everyone's got a 50-game head start on you, it's quite quite hard to get going. And even, even still, the guy was just, you know, 19 points in 26 games. That's still not bad. I'll take that at the bottom of my roster. Yeah, I think that's why he was only playing 15 minutes a night. I'd expect him to creep back up closer to the 17 minutes we saw um, in his first year with Detroit as they maybe lean on that top six a little heavier now that it's a little bit more skilled. Uh, accidentally skipped over a name, did not realize yeah. it. Um, I was fuming over here. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Alex Newhook from the Avalanche is somebody that uh, we have touched on a little bit throughout the preseason just because obviously he's the main man we expect to step into that top six role, uh, the Nazem Kadri role, if you will. And he's still only 9% on, which is a little bit surprising. Um, obviously, Kadri was a better, uh, bigger household name last year, was drafted a little bit um, more, and then turned out to be really, really great. Beebs, I know you love this guy, so go off on your boy, Alex Newhook. Yeah, I mean, what's not to love? 21-year-old, uh, which is pretty crazy that we're talking about it as he enters his third season. Um, but you mentioned it, a glaring 87-point hole there that Kadri leaves in that second slot. That's uh that's minutes, points, uh, second power play time. He's he's not gonna. That was the one thing that Kadri did have going for him. He did touch that top power play. So, um, granted, you know, I'm not saying that you're picking up last year's Kadri in any way, 
But at the same time, I do think this is someone who can hold bottom of your team fantasy value with pretty high, uh, pretty high ceiling and upside. A lot of guys we're talking about here are top picks, and that's kind of exactly what Newhook is. You haven't heard as much about him because there's been the McCars, there's you know been the Bowen Byrams in that lineup. Um, I believe he was actually taken in the same draft as McCarr just uh, a little bit later, but um, also first round pick. But anyone in that Avalanche top six we've seen in the last what? two, three years, they, they hold value. So I think if you can get a 21 year old who has proven that he can put up points, you know, 58 points in 46 collegiate games, you rarely see skill or you rarely see a player go over a point per game in their, in their college career. Um, but luckily Newhook can say that he's one of those guys. I really like him center left wing eligibility. So you can sneak him in your lineup. Uh, this is a guy I personally am trying to get in all leagues at the bottom of my roster as mentioned. Um, just because if I can even get 60 of those 87 points from last year uh that Kadri had I will take that and just you know there's there's so much potential here he's also one injury away from stepping up to that first line and we've seen McKinnon go down a few times um we might see JT Comfort fill that but you know you never want to bank on an injury but we've seen it year after year with McKinnon so yeah, the um, only, my only concern with Newhook is he does seem to have a little bit yeah. more competition. When you got to keep an eye on that. JT yeah. Confer, even Evan Rodriguez can play down the middle. So, um, but yeah, like there's no risk involved right here, yeah. right now, as a waiver wire pickup. So I, I like the upside. He's going to have good line mates, especially once Landis Cog comes back. And yeah, we've obviously seen um, a, a high level skill set. It's just we haven't really seen him play a whole lot, right? He's averaged 13 minutes a night pretty much his whole career so far, so it'd be interesting to see what he is capable of It's a um, good, like, fourth-line hybrid minute. Yeah. About. Yeah, so. Anything to add on Newhook, D? Uh, no, I think you guys touched on it. Um, it's Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, because obviously... It could crash and burn. Yeah, I, I, it'll, it's just... It's inter- like I said, it'll be interesting to see how much of a driving force Kadri was behind that second line's production last year because he was obviously playing out of his head. Um, Newhook's definitely a guy who could step up, and he's got a good background, and, and you like seeing the fact that he was able to produce in lesser minutes. So it's definitely one that's worth keeping an eye on and, and worth a flyer. But uh, I, I would be really surprised if you know they're as productive, obviously, as they were last season. Yeah, I think it'd be hard to be at productive <laughs> again. But we have seen um, some willingness to break up Rantanen and McKinnon as well, and he could end up playing with, with yeah. Rantanen at some point. That's what point, I was going to say, too. Be... Or when Landis Cog came back, they had him skating on the second line, I think, early in camp. Yeah, right? so, Nishushin um, plugs up, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where Lekkanen stay, stays at, yeah, at exactly. that top line, yeah. There's yeah. lots of, they have a lot of flexibilities. If you can go Nishushin, Nishushkin, yeah. and Landis that's Cog when, as your wingers. That's when Kadri obviously did a lot of his damage last year, right? When they either had Landis Gog playing with him or when McKinnon was hurt and, and Kadri moved up with the big boys. Um, that's when he really feasted. So I think that, that'll that be the big missing piece because like Newhook and Nichushkin on their own, they're a nice line, but obviously there's, there's yeah, more question a- marks there. You feel a lot better about it if Landis Gog's the third piece on yeah. that line. Uh, a trio of players in Edmonton are worth mentioning because right now the Dylan Holloway hype train yeah. is in full effect. I'm on the train, by the way. Yeah, I'm only in, I've only uh, drafted in one league so far. I was able to pick him up after the draft, which it was a dynasty league as well. So I'm very excited about that. He's up to 8% owned in only a couple of days. Uh, he scored a hat trick the other night. He, I believe he has four goals, two assists in four preseason games. He's supposed to play on Connor McDavid's wing tonight. He scored a hat trick on Leon Dreisaitl's wing. But... We all remember Ty Ratty from a few seasons ago, so I think that we need to pump the brakes on the Holloway hype train a little bit. I saw a question today on Twitter if he should trade Eichel for Holloway. Is the Holloway uh, hype real? And I was just like, we need to pump the brakes quite a bit because I still think it's a a long shot for Holloway to start in the um, Oilers' top six. I think we're most likely looking at him starting on the third line with either Nugent Hopkins or Ryan McLeod. Um, could he move his way up? Certainly. So I, I think he's worth the flyer because like, if he can see any 
minutes at all with McDavid or Dreisaitl, um, most likely Dreisaitl, then he will be extremely valuable. So yeah, plugging him in at the bottom of your roster is is something that I think is really, really smart. Just kind of take the wait and see approach and see how it all pans out. But he's clearly punched his ticket to making this roster. He's clearly got a chance to play some important minutes, but he's still not going to be on the top power play unit. Like he's not going to just blow up. You shouldn't be trading Jack Eichel for him or anything crazy like that. Um, some other players in Edmonton that are interesting, Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Kyler Yamamoto still. Uh, Yamamoto, you know, we've been waiting and waiting and waiting for this potential breakout to come since he pushed, what was it, 27 points in 27 games in his rookie season or something like that. Um, and it just is not really materialized, but he's looked really, really good in the preseason. He seems to be attached to Connor McDavid's hip along with Evander Kane. So if you're going to play an extended period of time with McDavid, you'd imagine he'll get things going. But this is also a guy that spent a lot of time in his career next to Leon Dreisaitl. So I'm not sold that it's going to be Yamamoto's season, but if everyone's freaking out about Holloway being in the top six, I think we you know, yeah, we have to mention. mention Yamamoto at 11% owned. He is going to be playing with McDavid. We already know that that's the case heading into the season. And uh, I was going to say really quick Holloway thing. Do you guys remember Magnus Puyarvi at all? Um, yeah. He, he, he was a first-round pick for Edmonton who scored a hat-trick during the preseason, and everyone went absolutely bonkers for him in 2010-2011. He ended up putting up a 34-point year that year. So for everyone who took him, you know, in the top 100, because I remember he was just going off the board, and it was his year, um, you got 34 points out of the guys. So I, I think that's, you know, if Holloway gives us that this year, that, that's great. But, uh, you know, history likes to repeat itself. So I think we got another Edmonton... Uh, you know, early round pick guy here, and, and thirty four points is phenomenal across eighty years or eighty games. I just think uh, I would say yeah, phenomenal. Yeah, but. not phenomenal, but it's good. And and nowadays, I mean, that'll put you in the top twenty in rookie scoring. So yeah. Take it. Uh, D, you had a couple numbers on Ryan. Why Ryan Nugent Hopkins uh, is interesting to you? Yeah, I don't have those numbers in front of me anymore, but uh, I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was just really good last year, um, and I think a little bit under the radar. He had uh, 39 assists in yeah. 63 games, yeah. uh, 154 shots, but only shot 7.1%, so finished with just 11 goals in total 50 points in 63 games, so very undervalued. That was it. Uh, the poor personal shooting percentage combined with the fact that he missed about 20 games, uh, I, I, I just think he was closer to his 2019-20 form when he had 61 points in 65 games. Uh, than people realized last year. And like to me, when I look at this team, like he is just an absolute lock to play in that that top six. Um, so long as they stay away from playing him down the center, like if he's on the wing, he's going to either be playing with Dreisaitl or McDavid. And unlike some of these other guys we're talking about, he's actually a really good player in his own right. So, <laughs> nice. um, so yeah. True. Yeah. So he's just going to keep playing heavy minutes on one of the best, uh, you know, offensive teams in the league. Uh, he's going to keep playing top minutes on their power play and his ADP is like 140 right now. Um, he has left wing eligibility, which is really the main reason that I like him a lot. Um, Cause yeah, like even just like he's going 26 picks after Hyman right now, I'd rather him than Hyman. Um, and then, you know, 30 picks after Caulfield, 30 picks after Boldy guys we like, but I, I think that, you know, our RNH is a safer return for this year. So I just think he's really good value um, along with bunting in terms of, you know, kind of the best left wing sleepers to really look at towards the end of your draft. Cause you can get Nuge in the 13th round right now. Um, just to prorate his stats from last year, um, he would have been on pace for exactly 200 shots over 82 games. Um, at his career uh, shooting percentage of 11.5, that'd be good for 23 goals also on pace for 50 assists over 82 yeah. games. So you're looking at 23 goal, 50 assists, 73 point uh, season from Nugent Hopkins, and nobody seems to give a shit. Yeah. 
So that's basically it. Yeah, I I, I think that there's a ton of hidden value there, and then and like you don't see his name. He doesn't get talked about at all anymore, and like people are freaking out about Dylan Holloway, but like. What's best case for Holloway this year? Probably Nugent Hopkins numbers that we just yeah, mentioned. Maybe like, some more goals, right? And that's yeah. the one thing, like you'd love more goal scoring upside, but that's why I love getting yeah. him where he is. The thirteenth round. Safer. Yeah, you can throw him in at the bottom of your roster, have him be your third left winger that can rotate in. He carries center eligibility, so a little bit of extra roster flexibility there as well. Um so yeah, I just think he's a really good value at a position that doesn't offer a ton of it in drafts this year. Yeah, I think like best case scenario. Holloway puts up 73 points and yeah, pretty much I, like Holloway. In. I think should, I, I mean, this goes without saying, but dynasty keeper leagues, like he's a yes. must own right now, but in redraft leagues, I'm happy to kind of wait and see. And if he does turn out to, you know, be really good and, and I burn on it, like, so be it because again, he's going to be solely tied. Um, his value will be solely tied to wherever he plays in that lineup. And even if he, you know, gets off to a hot start, we've seen people do that with McDavid and not be able to stay. They bounce around that lineup a lot. They move Leon up and down. Um, so yeah, I, I just think that, you know, even if he gets off to hot start and I'll, I'm slow to slow to the jump to, to get him, I'm not going to be too upset because I have my doubts whether or not that would even last over the full 82, but definitely a ton of upside there and probably more goal scoring upside than the new would seem. But again, we just don't know. So I'm not going to, you know, cast off a, a known product production if, if I can, you know, help it, but certainly in, in deeper leagues or if it's dynasty the very bottom keeper. of the roster and yeah, dynasty keeper, he's a must own. So, uh, Kalen Addison's next on the list. He is currently 8% owned. Addison was a part of the Jason Zucker trade that sent Zucker to Pittsburgh back in 2020. He's a former uh, second round pick in 2018. Very, very good numbers at the AHL level last year. Seven goals, 27 assists, 34 points in 43 games. And right now, he seems to be a lock for the Minnesota Wild um, blue line. He is most likely not going to play a ton at 5v5. He'll be on that third pair, but he is currently quarterbacking the top power play unit with the likes of Kirill Kaprizov, Matt Zuccarello. So he he seems like a guy that could be a very serviceable um, fourth defenseman for you this season. If he continues to um, quarterback that top power play unit, there should be some, some fine uh, power play numbers from Kalen Addison. So like me in our mock draft last week, I, I drafted Marshawn. I moved into my IR after the draft. I only drafted three defensemen. A Kalen Addison would have been the perfect player to go and pick up as my fourth defenseman with some power play upside. So I like Addison this year. Worth mentioning given the new usage we've seen in the preseason. Cole Caulfield is somebody that we didn't really get to talk about a whole lot because he you know, didn't make it into our top 15 um, right wingers. He didn't really factor in as a breakout for us he was going too early to be a sleeper so he didn't get drafted by any of the boys in the mock draft yeah he's just not somebody that we really talked about but things did you know drastically improve for him last year after a really ugly start when he came back up in February um, under Martin St. Louis he seemed to really find his game um, very similar build to somebody like Martin St. Louis. Yeah. So, you know, you could understand the relationship there. He did score 22 goals, 13 assists, 35 points in his final 38 games of last season. Um, he did so by shooting 18.6%, which is an obvious red flag, but played over 18 minutes a night. He's going to be on that top line with Nick Suzuki. He's going to be on that top power play unit. So Caulfield is just somebody I think like, you know, obviously his, he's, you know, 89% owned. He's not somebody you're going to be able to pick up on the waiver wire, but he, he is just somebody that we didn't really get a chance to talk about that I think we should have. Yeah. Um, his ADP is currently 114. Overall, I have him ranked at 110. So he, he is a decent um, 
pickup in those kind of middle rounds. Currently have him uh, rated as the number 23 left winger. So he can be a very solid number two left winger for you. Um, and somebody who obviously has great upside if he can continue to build on what he did in the second half of last season under St. Louis. It's funny, you know, he puts up almost a point per game in his last 30, 37 games there. And he gets drafted later than he did last year. Yeah, uh, His ADP was actually higher. But no, I think I like mentioning Caulfield just because if there's a player who has a goal scoring ceiling higher than Caulfield, I don't I don't know if I could find one. Um, there's a reason that so many people were excited about this guy last year. Um, I think all that excitement should kind of just refuel this year, but almost more as you mentioned. You know, clearly there's a connection there with Martin St. Louis, um, and he is now found a line where he can uh, where he can thrive, which is something that he didn't have to start the year. I would love to get a couple shares in Cole Caulfield. Granted, he is going to absolutely crush your plus minus. So, you know, um, as we know, I don't think they're going to be quite as terrible as last year. Yeah, I I don't think they're going to be, you know, quite as terrible, but they're still not going to be good. He was on pace Uh, for 255 shots in the second half of last season. So even if he doesn't shoot that 18% and he's closer to 12.4, which is his career average, that would still be good for 32 goals. So, um, pretty impressive production there from somebody that you can get in the middle round. Couple more names here. Matt Barzell, again, we, we kind of talked poorly about Matt Barzell um, and, and how he really hasn't uh, ascended to the player that we, you know, many expected he might, but just signed an absolutely massive ticket, earning $9.15 million per year. It makes Jack Hughes, D's boy, uh, eight times eight contract look exceptional, but. There's clearly something here. They clearly think that this is a franchise player. He needs to just start playing like one. Um, <laughs> oh, what? Eight years later? they? Yeah, I, I still... But like I said, when we talked about him earlier, his ADP is currently 158.7. It is so, so low. He's going right after Vincent Trocek. Um, and I have Barzell ranked at 127, so about 30 picks earlier. So I'm not saying that Barzell is going to... Uh, blow the roof off the building, but at 158, I think you could do much worse. Um, if you're somebody who is going to be drafting wingers and goalies and defensemen and building up and you need to just kind of wait late in the draft, I think grabbing guys like Trocek at 157 and Barzell at 158 is a good way to kind of remedy uh, your center position at a very, very cheap cost. Yeah, I mean, he has obvious flaws, right? Like he's just not going to score you a lot of goals. He doesn't shoot enough and he doesn't convert at a great clip. But he is like an outstanding playmaker. The problem the last few years has been he's really had no elite goal scorers to play with. So, you know, he's going to put up great assist totals. Is it going to, you know, borderline elite status of, you know, 50, 60 assists? Probably not if, you know, he's still playing with Andres Lee, Zach Parise, yeah, Kyle Palmieri. Yeah, it's Kyle Palmieri to start the year. Oh, yeah. how it's is not, that aligned It's not great. But yeah, I mean, I said it when we talked about him before, right? The one year he got to play with Tavares, he had 63 assists. So yeah. I, I think he definitely has it in him, yeah. but just not on this roster, unfortunately. So Yeah, they didn't really do him any favors in the yeah. offseason. No. But I mean... Well, because they got to pay him. Yeah, I, I think you're totally right, though, that the fantasy narrative has gone so far the other way on him that it's like a lot of people think he shouldn't even be drafted uh but he can still be a really nice source of power play production and a really nice source of assists you just have to know you're not going to get a lot of goals out of him um and his great playmaking ability like i said it's just not going to be enough to push him above a point per game unless they get him some better goal scorers around him yeah i think a lot of times when you grab a free agent they're not capable of 85 points and we've seen that so um obviously cast around him not good but uh I think if there is uh, if there is a ceiling that we've seen that you could kind of bank on, 
I don't mind taking this guy at the end of my draft. Yeah, as much as I hate him, I, going I would so take late. him right at the, at the bottom. By the way, I hate his fantasy game. I love his hockey game, but uh, yeah. I, I think some people are looking at the fact that Barry Trotz isn't there either as maybe he's going to be better. They're going to be more offensive. But Lane Lambert's been with Trotz forever. Uh, yeah. Even when he was a coach in the AHL, his Walmart teams weren't trots. very high scoring. So I don't expect a drastic change in yeah, philosophy. Yeah, he could play a little bit more, though. And That's that would, the thing. That he, if he goes it. back up to 20 minutes, um, it, you know, obviously they like Brock Nelson a lot. They use their third line a ton with Pajot. They use their fourth line way too much. Yeah. So maybe that is something that Lambert changes a little bit is he doesn't quite lean on that fourth line quite as much. And there's right. a little bit more minutes for Barzell, a little bit more minutes for Nelson. But it's, maybe not because it's worked for them, right? Yeah, it's been it, they've been pretty successful. A couple more names here. Ricard Raquel is just somebody we have not talked about very often. If you looked on Daily Faceoff recently, uh, Biebs and I have both talked about Raquel a little bit. Um, he's playing with Sidney Crosby. He had really, really good numbers uh, after he was traded um, to the Penguins last year, played primarily with Crosby and with uh, Jake Gensel. That line had really, really good um underlying numbers as well like their offensive uh, production was was exceptional in the short time that he was with the penguins so there's not really any reason to expect him not to be successful um this year he uh was on pace for 56 points 207 shots across 82 games um with the penguins last year so really really good production i think obviously you know it, it's pretty rare to find uh, you know Sidney crosby uh Connor mcdavid's wingers on free agency, but yeah. that's the case right now. Raquel is only 27% owned. We know that Sidney Crosby um, has made some pretty bargain bin wingers into fantasy stars. Chris Kunitz, who is the other one? Pascal Dupuis. Pascal Dupuis. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Ricard Raquel, I think could be... You could probably throw Rust into that category, but... A little eh, bit, yeah. yeah. I think he's a little bit better. He's Malkin's boy, though. Player than yeah. Them. yeah, exactly. Uh, Matt Murray, I think, is worth a quick mention as well, just because I think a lot of people are, are, are kind of avoiding the Maple Leafs crease right now. Um, people are, I think, a little bit nervous as to how that's all going to shake out. Murray's obviously been shaky for a few years. He's only 57% owned. And yeah, that's crazy. If he can end up grabbing the reigns here and you know even just not you know doesn't have to be the clear-cut number one but he starts 45 50 games for a maple Leafs team as good as this one i think murray could be a really really good fantasy asset so he's still available different in preseason like, yeah he's, he's looked really really locked in i, I, I mean, don't want to yeah i don't want to put too much stock in the preseason but he has played well he's only given up one goal thus far so that's just one reason i want to bring him up he's looked sharp and this is a very good hockey team and he's 60 percent owned it's hard to find a a goalie this on this good of a team that's this readily available. Yeah. Francis even is, is 59% owned. Like, so like they're both in similar boats to me, um, both capable of stealing number one job and being very good. Yeah. He seems the favorite to, if you had to pick one to run away with the job right now, they'll definitely both be given every opportunity to do so. Um, but I, yeah, at the end of the day, like three of the four fantasy stats are are pretty much for tenders are pretty much, you know, outright team stats. And then even the fourth save percentage, which they have the most individual impact on obviously your defense and the quality of shots you're giving up has a lot to do with that too. So everything should get a little bit better. Um, going from last year's senators, last year's senators to, to this year's Maple Leafs. Um, and yeah, obviously, you know, he, he had some rough times in Ottawa, but he had a better season last year than the year before. Um, and you know, looks as Beeb said, more like his old self than, you know, what we saw the last couple of years in Ottawa so far this preseason. So we're obviously tempering expectations here, but he wouldn't have to perform at anything above league average to, you yeah. know, be one of the best fantasy goalies. If he's going to be the starting goalie on the Maple Leafs. I think what I don't really understand is, is like why people are so low seemingly on, 
on Murray and so high on Samsonov. Samsonov struggled mightily last year. Samsonov's 81% owned versus Murray being yeah. what was it, 56. Yeah, and just that. to further your point, D, we're talking about last year's Senators and, and the Maple Leafs. Last year's Senators ranked 25th in the NHL and expected goals against per 60 at 5v5. The Maple Leafs were top five in the NHL. If you take a look at all strengths, I believe the Leafs were the top team in the league, at least close. Um, yeah, they were number three in the NHL and expected goals against in all situations. The, the Senators were 26 in the NHL. So this is a drastically different team in front of him. And if, if, if people are going to spike uh, Samsonov's ADP or uh, roster percentage up to 81%, I really don't see why Matt Murray isn't getting the same kind of No, love. they should be one and the same. I mean, they, yeah, they pretty much are. We haven't seen anything right? that says like Sam, Samsonov's going to take it, right? No. So, if anything, it's it's been the other way. Yeah. Murray's outplayed him to this point, and it's, it's the job is... Totally and one hundred and twenty percent up for grabs. I so. would still take 40, nice 41 shot. starts of Matt was, Murray on the Maple Leafs yeah. off the waiver wire. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'll take that over like off the wire. Uh, like, I'll take that over John Gibson starting every night on my team. Just it, there's at some point there is value in you know not having to play a guy every night so that if he doesn't have to play against those crazy. If, if teams, John Gibson but. starts fifty five games, how many of those are you're gonna be like, oh shit! Yeah. Like I'm nervous about yeah, starting right. John Gibson. He in might 55 crush your week. Like in 55 games, you might end up only wanting to play him in 40 games. No, or yeah. Matt Murray, you're probably going to start him every single night, regardless of opponent, because the Maple Leafs are yeah. that good. That's even, how I feel. Though, even when games. Hutchinson was taking games, like you were still throwing him in there because they were a 60 percent favorite to get you the win, right? So, yeah. Um, yeah, like we, it's just look at Francois last year. I think he started what 30, 35 games. He was worth owning all year while he was healthy. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what we're talking about. The one, if it's a one B, like they're on a one of the you know top five or even ten teams that we know in the regular season anyway, yep. like the Maple Leafs are, um, <laughs> they're always going to be fantasy relevant and they're worth holding on to for the full year in, in, in most formats, unless you're dealing with pretty small leagues or, or roster sizes. Yeah, they're just simply worth holding on to. It's worth getting, you know, a couple starts every two weeks out of them as opposed to four or five starts in the same span of, of you know, Anaheim goaltending. One of my favorite um, last round picks or, Love this one. Or, or after draft pickups is Phil Kessel right now. We talked about a lot about how weak that right wing position is. His current ADP is 179. You can add a pretty solid right winger to the bottom of your roster at the very, very end of drafts. And he is going to be playing with Jack Eichel. He's going to be on that top power play unit. In the preseason thus far, again, we're not going to put too much stock, but it's worth noting. In the preseason thus far, Jack Eichel has three goals. Phil Kessel has an assist on Every single one of those goals. Um, they also have been exceptional. 3.51 expected goals for, 38 scoring chances for per 60. The numbers have been outstanding. Again, small sample size, 23 and a half minutes in the preseason, but things are looking good. Jack Eichel looks good. Phil Kessel looks good. I think that something can happen here with these two, and I think Phil Kessel can put up extremely serviceable numbers. Like, yeah, I, I, I really think that there is a chance Phil Kessel has a 70-point season. Yeah. Like, I and, mean, it's going to have... Potentially 50 assists with it, but who cares? I mean, yeah. we're talking about someone you're getting at the bottom of your roster. He had 44 fills. assists with Arizona last year. Yeah, yeah, the team's not good. Um, yeah, he fills, he fills a key position, too, that's not that heavy. Um, so, at that point, I like it. Phil's proven it. And uh, I think this was honestly one of the most under-the-radar signings during the 100%. offseason because Vegas, like, everyone laughed. Ha-ha, Phil's going out to Vegas. Phil's going to go gamble. No, <laughs> Phil is there to keep continuing his hockey career and i think he's in a great spot in the top six he made a great signing for his career they made a great signing as they need someone to take up ice and you know 
good veteran presence for Jack. He was the, one of the best volume shooters in the league. Like again, we're going back yeah, ten it's years. Crazy talking about Phil. He getting had three hundred shots in two thousand and fourteen. Last year, he had one hundred seventy-five shots in eighty-two games. Only shot four point six percent. If he gets back closer to his career average of ten percent, you're looking at eighteen to twenty goals. If he ups that shot volume, if he he only played 16 minutes and 41 seconds last year. He can see more ice time with Eichel. He could get back to 200 shots, and he could score 25 goals with 50 assists this year. Like, he honestly could. Yeah, easily. Like, you expect him to build upon, you know, the assist total he had last year playing in Vegas. Obviously, you know, he's got, if it's going to be with Eichel, a much stronger supporting cast around him. Even if he's just in that top six, it'll be better. He's 35, so, you know, we'll see... Uh, He's obviously creeping up around that age where it, it wouldn't be a total shock to see him just fall off a cliff. But he looked, you know, he looked better than last year than, than people realize, and, and then his numbers look for sure. And also, he's going to play every single game because he is currently. I think I believe believe he's nine or eleven games off of the Ironman streak for all time uh, record. So Phil's going to be playing. Yeah, you know he's going to be out there. Phil's going to be doing it. Yeah. So you will be able to plug him in your lineup. Okay, so a couple quick uh, Twitter questions to get to before we fire it off to the Blue Stones and uh, take a break. First one comes from at ham and eggs underscore 71. Buffalo mm-hmm. lines, tuck on line two with Quinn and Middlestad. Down on tuck or high on Quinn and Middlestad? I think we touched on this a little bit already. Like, obviously, we'd feel a little bit better about Quinn playing on the top line. But I, I like Alex Tuck. He, I think that's going to be a line that is going to be pretty good. I think somebody like Quinn can help. Middlestad and Tuck be a little bit yeah. better. Um, you know, Tuck still 139 shots in 50 games last year, 142 and 55 the year before. Just needs to play more hockey because the shot volume's there. Um, I think he can be fine. I, I think Middlestad probably takes a bit of a step forward. Um, I think Quinn will be fine. You know, it, maybe Jeff Skinner moves back down that line. There, there's a lot of different options in Buffalo. So I think taking a flyer on, on Tuck is okay. I think obviously there's a lot of players kind of around his ADP um, that maybe have higher upside, which would probably stop me from owning him in a lot of leagues. Um, but like his ADP right now is 164.9. I have him ranked 174. So it's kind of okay if you're getting him down there. I think he's an okay flyer, but I think that there is yeah, higher not- upside wingers kind of going around him. Yeah, no, I, no. Tyler Toffoli goes right after him. I'd much oof, rather have. Him. I yes. think like the issue with Tuck is the nine point nine career shooting percentage. Like we always liked him because of his shot volume. We wanted to see what he could do in a more expanded role on hopefully what we thought would or hoping would be a very competitive team uh, in the Golden Knights. Unfortunately, he's got got that opportunity in Buffalo last year. So yeah, he played eighteen and a half minutes a night, but the shooting percentage is still just at eight point six percent. So it's hard to say that's really going to turn around when, like I said, he's got a career shooting percentage under ten. So at that rate, like he needs to shoot the puck three hundred times to score thirty goals, which is what I think he needs to do from a goal scoring perspective to be relevant because the assist totals yeah. aren't going to be great either. So yes, I I've been a fan of talking in years past, but I just think he needs to be. Um, in a better situation than this to, to really be uh, worthy of our attention. If you extrapolate over the full season last year, he would have been on pace if he would have shot his career 9.9% on pace for 23 goals. So really not a whole lot there when we're talking about Phil Kessel could probably have 25 and 50 assists. Right. Um, and you can get him right around the same spot. So I would rather have Phil Kessel than Alex Tuck. The next question comes... Um, could uh, Grubauer, excuse me, be an unexpected surprise given his terrible season last year and his current ADP? Uh, yeah, I, I, 
Could. We, we've got a lot of questions about Grubauer. To me, there's just zero risk involved. Last year, yeah. we did not like Grubauer because he was being... Like, we liked Grubauer, but we didn't like where he was being drafted. He was going so early. Um, and I think everybody thought that Seattle was just going to be Vegas, like an expansion team was just going to be awesome, and it just didn't pan out. But they were actually... We talked about it a ton last year because I, I think we fielded more Grubauer questions than any player in the league. What do we do with Grubauer? The Kraken were very good defensively. They were a top uh, third in the NHL in terms of defensive metrics. And Grubauer was just shit. Um, yeah, so I think good. he can be serviceable. Um, I have him ranked as like a low-end number two, high-end number three. Um, I think he'll probably end up finishing closer to a number three. But if that's how you draft him, which you most likely will as the 160th uh, player off the board, then yeah, I think he's fine as a number three. Yeah, goalies are volatile enough that he's worth the flyer, but I definitely wouldn't like sit back on drafting my second goalie knowing that I can wait and take Grubauer because he was terrible last year. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, but he was so good for so long before that, you know, on some very good teams. But like you said, yeah. they were they were good. Uh, defensively last year so before last season he had a career save percentage of 920 after last season he has a career save percentage of 914 still pretty nice (laughs) raided yeah but uh yeah just decimated by that 889 he put up last year so yeah who knows man i if i had to guess i'd say we end up with something in between his terrible last year and the 920 before and he's probably somewhere around league average which isn't going to be enough to be you know one of the one of the better fantasy goalies on that team so that's why i'm out on grubauer this year but certainly i you know just because of the the job that's there for him to take and his prior numbers, his previous track record, it's worth a flyer as your third goalie. But like I said, do not go into the draft thinking you can wait on a second goalie because you can get Grubauer at the end because yeah. that is a very risky strategy. Yeah, that is risky. He is only twenty eight percent owned, so I mean, I do believe personally he should be he is close. Not he he should be he should be a lot closer to uh, to fifty sixty. Um, I just think you know if you're going to take a chance on some of these other guys out there and some backups ahead of Grubauer. Um, I don't mind putting him in there. D mentioned it, you know, 920 before last year. Even with last year's 3.16 goals against average, he still has a 2.51 goal against average on his career. That's a testament to the teams in front of him. Um, but Seattle's one of those teams that they're going to be a lot better than last year. Maybe not a lot, but they will be better than last year. They're a lot better. Well, well, they've added some nice pieces. They just put, yeah, better better pieces out there. They have a whole new first line. That that, that could help your team quite a bit. Certainly. Um I like I like Grubauer as kind of that. It's kind of like him and Reimer are the two starters that are left after drafts. I'm so, a little more concerned about Reimer just yeah, because Tapo Kakinen's actually pretty good. That's I think it, like yeah. I think Grubauer can at least you know start yeah. 55 not coming games. In. Well, yeah, Dreger's yeah, Dreger's hurt and and uh, Martin Jones is just dog shit. Yeah. One other guy we should talk with. Since we're talking about the goalies here. Martin Anton, Jones wasn't even good when he was good. Yeah. No, no. Anton Forsberg, 66 percent owned. Uh, the news came out. If you missed it, we t- I tweeted about this. Um, so if you missed it, you should follow me on Twitter at Brock underscore Segan. But Talbot's out five to seven weeks. If he misses five weeks, he's missing 12 games. If he misses six weeks, he's missing 15 games. If he misses seven weeks, he's missing 18 games. The Senators do not have a back-to-back until December. So they do not have a time a back-to-back in that seven-week timeline. So while it's unrealistic, Anton Forsberg could start every single game. Of the first 18 games while Talbot's out. Yeah. Regardless, he might get two games off. Like he, He's probably starting 16 games in the first uh, seven weeks of the season. So 66% owned. The own percentage really didn't climb too much. Talbot's still 80% owned. Oh, Talbot going was up. being drafted in like the 119th range. So yeah. Forsberg, to me, is somebody that should be picked up. Yeah. Um, For- he's still behind Merzlikens, Vili Husso, Logan Thompson, Sam Sonoff, Jonathan Quick. 
um, in own percentage. And to me, I would rather have him over over those guys yeah. currently. He was eighth in the NHL in save percentage he last was very year good. on a uh, on a pretty bad Ottawa team. Um, he was also top twenty five in both goals or sorry goals against average and put up 22 wins last year. So you got a lot of nice things out of Forsberg. We've talked a lot about Ottawa. How I mean, I think everyone is how they, they think it's going to be a better team. It is a team where their back end is probably their biggest glaring hole. So that might not help Forsberg, but those names you were dropping are guys who are they're They're splitting time um, on worst teams, in my opinion. So I'll, I'll take Anton Forsberg ahead of all of them, especially since we're talking, you could get three heavy or sorry, not three, or two two months out of this guy almost. Yes. If you get two months of fantasy hockey, um, by uh, that you point, get every game. yeah, and that's a that's some trade bait. Let people forget that Cam Talbot's hurt. Week five, send him off. There we go. But either way, I do I do think he can be a nice band aid um, until you have to get to that point of the year. And once you do, you can figure it out from there. Yep. Anything else to add on Forsberg? Um, no, just that that team is going to need to have made the improvements that we thought and hoped they were for him to really. We be did just say they were twenty six defensively. But yeah, I feel as good about him now than for those first couple months than I did about Talbot because he was good last year. He had a nine seventeen, but that was only good enough for a two eighty two goals against on that team because uh, they got outplayed quite a bit. So yeah, I think they need to be better for whoever's playing goalie for them to be a, a real reliable fantasy asset. Otherwise, it's going to be just like last season where you're really picking his starts. But I think he's a good goalie, so if it's a better team. Um, then he will be worth playing for most yeah. of those two months. So it's just going to be a matter of how much better is that team actually this year. Former NHL goalie and daily face-off contributor Mike McKenna wrote a piece about Anton Forsberg and how he is ready for the challenge uh, in Ottawa with um, Cam Talbot out. And not only is he um, a former NHL goalie, but he was also former Senators goalie. So knows a little bit about playing in the nation's capital. Um, all right. Canada. <laughs> After the break, uh, we're going to throw you over to the Blue Stones for now. After the break, we're going to come back with our ADP picks. Um, what ADP usually means in this podcast is average draft position. Today, it means the all-daily all daily face-off picks. Um, so has a ring to it. Yeah, the all-daily face-off podcast picks coming up after the break. Basically, we're going to give you each three players that we know are going to drastically outperform their ADPs. Our guys that we um, are, are planting the flags, we expect to have massive seasons um, this season. So the delivery wasn't quite there for me, but hopefully the Blue Stones come through. And uh, we'll see you guys after the break for the ADP picks. I drop my wounds and I die. I'm out of money, I'm out of time. I fly low like a broken arrow. The time slows and my vision narrows. I'm out of money, I'm out of time. Sing your hearts out, sing it loud. Make me happy, make me proud. Black holes, solid ground.
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to season eight, episode seven of the Daily Faceoff podcast. A very Donald Brashear episode of the podcast. That's who I think of at 87. That's where everyone thought I was going to go with 87, right? Yeah, 100%. Um, Never doubt. Like Brock said, hope you guys enjoyed those licks from the Blue Stones. New album coming out whenever we said on that last show. So go ahead and uh, and check it out. November 4th? November 5th? One of those days. Good enough. Yeah, it's coming. It is coming. Um, We are going to get right into the all DFO podcast team. You nailed it. I like team better than picks. I think we just wanted to make the all DFO team. You know, that's good enough. ADT. Yeah. Yeah. I think that. That works. So the all DFO team, um, like Brock said, basically just each of our three favorite targets and drafts this year, guys that we think are just going to easily outperform their ADPs this season. Uh, in other words, real league winners, right? Guys that yep. um, can really make a difference if they fulfill that full potential that, that we believe they possess. I think the real reason we're doing this too is because now you're going to take these players and when they don't pan out or if they don't, it's not when they don't, but if they don't pan out, then you know who to blame. You can yeah. just come back to mm-hmm. us and, and blame us instantly. So mm-hmm. um, we yeah. want to be targets. I, I and think, we'll either remind you that we hit on these every single week or we will never talk about just it. Lo- yes. Yeah. And yes. yeah. And anytime the name comes up, become awkwardly quiet. Yeah. Just shame whoever's guy it was uh, whenever we can. Yeah. And, uh, it's their fault, yes. not ours. Yeah, exactly. I'm just going to start because um, I have the guy with the highest ADP in this whole list. So I'm going to start because of that reason. And I'm going with Kyle Connor ADP of 28.6. Lowest ADP. I guess, yes. Yeah. Okay. Being drafted the earliest. Sure. I should say. Kyle Connor, 28.6. Uh, when Rick Bonus was behind the Stars bench, we saw him trot out his three best players on a line together. Jason Robinson, Rube Hintz, Joe Pavelski, and they dominated every single night. Now he's with the Jets, and he has Connor, Shifley, and Ehlers together, and that's a line that could make some magic. Three guys that we really like on this show, all playing together is, is exciting for us. They've only played 22 minutes together last season, so it may take some time for the chemistry to build, but 
Connor will certainly be in better hands than spending 350 minutes of 5v5 ice time with Evgeny Svechnikov. So um, there's a couple reasons I think Connor is Connor is elite and why he should be drafted earlier than the early third round. His usage is elite. He was fourth in the NHL among forwards in uh, average time on ice last year. Played over 21 minutes a night, which is ridiculous. And his shot volume was among the league best. So he's absolutely elite in my eyes. And uh, you're getting him in the third round. This is a guy that could, I think, have end, you know bottom of the first round value. Um, and you're getting him just so much later than that. So I think he has legit 50-50 potential this season. And he just makes one of the biggest draft day values available, um, in my opinion. Biebs. We're not 100% sure who your first pick is, but we do know who D is. So we'll just go back to D. He's talked about him for probably 35 of our... 35 minutes out of our eight hours is it Donald of Brashear? podcasting yeah. uh, in this preseason. So let's just go another 35 minutes on Jack Hughes. Right. Um, so a lot of this is going to be rehashed, as you said, but I will just state the case for Jack Hughes one final time uh, this preseason. No, I'll be doing it all year as well. 23rd in points per game last year among forwards, currently being drafted as the 57th forward off the board by ADP. He's just 21 years old. He was on pace for 276 shots last season. His volume continues to improve year over year. He is already an elite point producer at 5v5, and if that power play is even close to mediocre and he's able to build on the 14 power play points he had last season, he could easily finish as a top 12 skater this season. I said it on the center preview. He broke out already last year. He just wasn't there for the full 82 games. So the casual fantasy hockey player hasn't quite realized it. He registered 56 points in in those 49 games, a 94-point pace, over 82. He did it on the back of a more than sustainable 15% personal shooting percentage and 11.2 on-ice shooting percentage, with the driving force behind that point production being his line's dominant puck possession and the 165 shots on goal he was able to register just over half a season. All that just goes to say it was a very sustainable way of being a very good hockey player last year, over three shots a game. The same shot volume and shooting percentage over a full 82 would net him 41 goals this season. So you take all that, consider this is a guy who's entering his age 21-year-old season, still very clearly getting better each year, uh, and someone who's taken just huge step forwards in each of his first two seasons, had that really bad rookie year, uh, decent year two, and then put it all together last year. So if he repeats what he did last year with a full 82, we're already looking at an easy 90 points. If his game and development takes another step forward, just as it has his first two, three seasons in the league, we could be talking about one of the very best players in fantasy. So the greatest concerns, because we'll get to those now, there's two of them. It's his ability to stay healthy and his supporting cast. Uh, me, I'm of the belief that every player carries some degree of injury risk. If he has a clean bill of health right now, I'm going to draft him as such. And I think there is enough support in terms of the players around him, uh, given his tremendous talent, that he can meet these lofty goals. He did it with essentially the same crew last year. Uh, that should, if anything, uh, we believe be slightly improved this year. So those slight concerns are more than accounted for at his current ADP of 96.5. There is no one anywhere near his, uh, his kind of upside within three rounds of that ADP. I said it before. I've stayed true to it in my own leagues. I would not be afraid to take him as early as the late fourth, early fifth round in redraft leagues. I would go early, earlier personally, but I just don't think you need to. He'll definitely be there uh, by the late fourth, early fifth round. So yeah, he's phenomenal and he's going way too late. I think people are held up on the plus minus and obviously he doesn't hit at all. Um, but two things that I don't really uh, expect to be a factor, obviously in standard formats, but just in general, I think he's going to be so good across the other categories that uh, you know any any production you're giving up or, or missing out on those categories is going to be more than nullified. Yeah, I have him ranked right in that same spot you said. Uh, 
late fourth, early fifth, right at 58, um, which is 36.8 spots higher than his ADP. So, um, you know, he slowly crept up my rankings with each passing episode. The more you argued doing for him and the more homework yeah. I did uh, on, on Jack Hughes and the season that he did put together last year, the easier it uh, it became to, to move Hughes up my rankings. And like you said, I, I think there's a case to be made where for him to be ranked higher and above certain players. I have ranked above him, but you just don't need to do it, yeah. right? Um, just to give you an idea. So he is 58. The next center above him... Um, is Patrice Bergeron, who's going about uh, 12 picks earlier. Um, Evgeny Malkin, who's going um, another 23 picks earlier. So, like, those guys are going considerably higher. There's just really no point to moving them above those right. guys because you don't have to reach yeah. <laughs> for him at all. So, obviously, if you're in drafts and you just heard the, you know, like Malkin and, and, and Bergeron, both guys that have injury risk like Hughes as well. So, like, there's a there's a case to be made for, for all three of them, you know, this year. So, um, all right, Biebs, yours is, comes as a little bit more of a surprise. I've been talking about Connor. He's been talking about Hughes a shitload this preseason. So, yeah. who is your all D- ADP pick? I, I just really like the Something theme like <laughs> of grabbing a first-round pick from the 2019 draft. So, I decided to go with friend of the show, Matt Boldy. He's out in Minnesota. Uh, Boldy's currently being drafted at 111.6 in Yahoo leagues. Uh, that's a little bit, a little bit too late for me. This guy stands out as someone who I, I we've talked about his upside for what is a year and a half now. Um, Kevin Fiala is now gone in Minnesota. Unfortunately, all 33 goals and 85 points of Kevin Fiala are gone. All 17 power play points, and most importantly, all nearly 18 minutes time on ice for Kevin Fiala is gone from Minnesota. Matt Boldy last year had an. Inc- extremely impressive inaugural season uh, with Minnesota 39 points on the back of 15 goals across 47 games he was a plus 17 with 113 shots that put him just around 200 shots across an 82 game span thing that kind of blew my mind here was that he did all this while only playing 15 minutes a night Um, and that's why Kevin Fiala leaving really stands out to me here for Boldy if we can get anywhere close to these numbers um, that we got last year I think you're getting his value at where you're getting him in the draft um, but I expect more. We usually see most players take that next step forward um, in their second season. This year, going into a full 82-game spread, if he can get somewhere close to 17 minutes, he should easily surpass 200 shots. With 200 shots, we can talk about Boldy um, in the 30-goal range. If he does anything close to last year, he shot 13%, completely sustainable. Um, those are numbers that we've seen from plenty of players across the board. One thing I really love for Boldy this year is he seems to be a lock on that top power play. Um, they've kind of mentioned, he is. yeah, I was going to say in, in preseason, they've kind of mentioned, you know, that there are guys on this team who are, um, who are on the team to be on the power play. And Matt Boldy is one of those guys. Maybe foolish not to have. Yeah, time. absolutely. And, uh, someone else is on that power play that we like a lot. Kalen Addison. Kalen Addison. I was, I was actually where I was going. Sorry. Um, that's cool, though. But Krill Crapper's off as well. Um, and I think anyone touching the puck around that guy is a very nice pick. He is a heavy shooting left winger, which is one of the uh, one of the softer softer positions when you get to that point of the draft, around the, the 110 mark where he's getting drafted. I, I, I really like this guy. I think in any league that D's not in, I have drafted him. Um, <laughs> so for me, uh, the, the, the player that I'm going to roll with out of the gate is Matt Boldy. Um, I'm a little bit, uh, if we're going to talk about, you know, Jack Hughes' downfalls, I got to talk about Boldy's downfalls. Currently lined up on the third line with, I believe it's Fred- Frederick Goudreau and Sam Steele. Um, 
not the best the best line mates that you'd like. I would like to see him crack into that top six, but at the same time, as long as he's on that top power play, I want him on my fantasy team. He's clearly a heavy shooting option. Fiala was that shooting option before. Boldy's about to be that shooting option. Um, Confirmed. I think you're drafting him at just being under a point per game, and there is a lot of potential here for a little bit more. Uh, proved he could do it last year. Another one of those crazy players who put up over a point per game while in the NCAA. There's just a lot to like here with Boldy. I think we'll be talking about him throughout the year as he proceeds to move up that Minnesota lineup and continue to stay on power play one. Just a quick question. Uh, would you guys rather have Matt Boldy or Claude Giroux this year? Matt Boldy. Yeah, Matt Boldy, 100%. Boldy, but I, I'm low on Giroux yeah. in general. Yeah. Giroux currently going 55.6 uh, versus Boldy, as we mentioned. Double that. Yeah. And one 111. All right, uh, back to me. Second... Uh, ADP team pick. Rolls off the tongue. Easy. Shea Blue. Theodore, ADP 86.5. We talked at length about Theodore um, already. But the one crucial question we had about him has been answered since we last spoke about Theodore. He is on the Golden Knights top power play unit without Alex Petrangelo. He's on the Eichel and Stone unit. So there's no way this man doesn't score at least a few more power play goals this season. He seemingly, as I've mentioned before, has a 15 goal, 35 assist floor. And um, you get that in the 7th, 8th round. But what he provides an upside is 20 goals, 50s, 50 assists, which would literally make him one of the three best fantasy defensemen in the league. So there is just... I, I can't get enough Shea Theodore in, in fantasy drafts right now. So um, 86.5. Again, one of the higher ADPs or lower ADPs, whichever way you want to look at it, in uh, on this list. But I feel great about him outperforming that. Like, there's just... Like, nothing, to me, nothing can really go wrong for him. Like, we've kind of just seen, like, him at his worst almost. And there's just so much room for growth. And it it just seems so doable. Um, so, Shea Theodore is my second pick. Yeah, if he doesn't get that usage that we're hoping for, and, you know, if he doesn't become the clear-cut number one defenseman on, on the top power play unit, um, then he's still going to return value at his ADP. So that's why he's so great this year because you can take him, know you're going to get you know somewhere around 15 goals, 35 assists out of him. And if he sees that uptick in usage, uh, he could push himself into the top 10 fantasy defensemen for sure. Anything to add on him? No, I think uh, we talked about him. We've a lot, talked but... a lot about Shea. What about uh, what about you, D? Who is your second pick? Uh, Mark Scheifele. I, I, he's gotten a lot of love from all of us this year. This adds up. His ADP is is pretty ridiculous. Um, he's an incredibly reliable point producer, um, and it's really across the board. The Jets are, are being pretty undervalued in drafts um, this preseason. To me, the only really logical connection I can make is the plus minus. Um, but again, if if you're in weekly leagues and roto leagues, I guess definitely a very real threat. Players on on bad teams or bad five v five teams can certainly tank your plus minus um, over the course of a season. But weekly leagues, like Shifley was a minus seventeen last season. It, it looks bad on paper when you look at it over the course of the season. But if you think about it, I believe there's like twenty four weeks in the fantasy season. It's an average of less than negative one a week, or I guess more than negative one a week. But uh, but I'm more than happy to take on that minimal minimal impact, right? Like it's it's hardly any any sort of impact in your plus minus more often than not that's you know it's not going to be enough to swing it one way or another and he's just given you such reliable production in all of the other categories over the last three seasons he's tallied 206 points in 194 games he's registered a point per game or better in each of the last six seasons 
point per game machine that's being drafted around players that will be lucky to top 60 points this year. We would love to see him shoot the puck a bit more, but he's got a career 16.3 shooting percentage, so you can count on him to operate around a 30-goal pace regardless. The team has some concerns on the blue line and is nowhere deep as it was a couple years ago, but there's still plenty of elite talent here for him to play with in the top six and on the power play. He's going to continue to get major minutes, and any slight concerns you may have about his shot volume or potentially uh, potentially poor plus minus are more than baked into that ADP already. If you want to try to, to wait and get him around his ADP, all the power to you, but I wouldn't hesitate to draft him uh, a good four rounds earlier than he's going at this point. I think that's what Beeb did in our, in our mock draft, took him around yep. the century mark. Uh, so yeah, he's just a textbook Happily. example of why avoiding the temptation of the early round centers and waiting to fill out the position is such a strong strategy this season incredible depth of the position combined with some ridiculous sleepers like Shifley means you can wait until the sixth or seventh round to draft your first centerman and still fill out a starting forward group uh, with point per game beasts. So yeah, I, I think he's just a really great way to, to round out your lineup. If you go after wings or even if you just, you know, really fill out your blue line, go heavy on defense and are heavy goaltending early on. It's just like, it, it makes no sense. Um, we've been talking about the differences between my rankings and ADP there's only one player that has a greater discrepancy, um, and they're ranked right near each other, and they're drafted right near each other. They're a couple spots different. That's Rupe Hints. But outside of Rupe Hints, they're both this point is for the, game players. This yeah. is the biggest uh, discrepancy between ADP and um, and my rankings. So yeah, this is a no-brainer for me. I just talked about how Kyle Connor was my uh, my first pick, and and obviously him and Shifley should be um, you know riding each other's coattails all season long. So if you know, I think the one thing that's interesting is that. Shifley has really done a lot of that damage that you just spoke about without playing with Kyle Connor, and now they should see a little bit more time together. So um, I, I hope that that kind of improves both of their stock because, yeah, I'm very much in on both of these players this year. Yeah, um, my second pick here, uh, D kind of mentioned that Shifley was his his lineup filler, um, and this guy is my, I guess, even later than lineup filler because... Um, as we mentioned, I was getting Shifley at 100, so I had about 70 more picks to go. And at 169.8 ADP, Nick Schmaltz is my guy um, right here. He is just so forgotten about. I don't know if there's a if there was a better. Wait, are, are you the guy that took back to back Arizona Coyotes? I am, draft? And, and neither <laughs> of them was Nick. Neither of them was Nick Schmaltz, baby. But uh, I. I I just cannot believe where this guy's getting taken. As Brock mentioned earlier in the episode, we kind of did a piece where it's just guys you can pick up off the waiver wire now that your your team's together. Um, if you do have some do have some injuries there, and and I mentioned Nick Schmaltz because it's rare that you can find a near point per game producer um, off any waiver wire, let alone at the end of your draft, anything like that. This is a guy who ended last year with 18 goals and 26 assists in his last 39 games. One thing that I love about Schmaltz is great season last year. 59 points, 63 games. Nothing has really changed for him on that top line. He's kind of in the same position where it's him and Clayton it's the Keller. the exact same thing. Him and Clayton Keller against the world. Um, and that world is basically the Arizona lineup, the rest of it, because it's just terrible. Either way, Schmaltz should be attached to the hip of Keller. They will be power play, line, power play one in Arizona. We've mentioned it in previous years that somebody has to score for these teams. And who else is going to be in the middle of it besides these two players? This is someone who can provide at least 20 goals, 40 assists for your team, I think, this year. And if you can get that at the bottom of your draft or at the end um, off the free agent wire, I really like it. And I think that's kind of his floor that we're looking at. One thing that stands out as worrisome from last year, he doesn't shoot the puck a ton. Only 123 shots across 60 games. Um, that's just under 
two shots per game, which we like to see close to somewhere, somewhere on three plus from a guy. That that's that's really good. But um, but at this rate, I don't see Smaltz being a two hundred shot person. With that said, that's what Clayton Keller's for. Um, that's with whoever the hell takes that other wing is for. Um, but Schmaltz is a great supplier of points. You'd think that he would absolutely destroy your plus minus, but last year he was actually plus one. Yeah, pretty wild. Which I think is kind of because he put up seven points in one game. Had to be it. But, against uh, the Detroit Red Wings. But yeah, uh, yeah, it was against the Detroit Red Wings. I, I didn't even want to bring it up, but you did. Um, center and right wing eligible, so he won't clog up just the middle for you. I uh, I kind of want all stocks and Schmaltz. At least until he proves that you know he's not uh, he's not that guy. I just I really think if there's anyone you could get at the end of your draft who's guaranteed line one, guaranteed power play one, Phil Kessel, you have to get them. Phil Kessel. <laughs> I'd rather have Schmaltz all day because Kessel might be moved out of that spot um, where there's just nothing in Arizona there. Okay, yes, I was just gonna. That's, that's what, was, what it I was, is. I was there's, hoping you'd bring this up. Nothing. Because it's like he's not gonna get even if he has a shitty start. He's still gonna sit there because what are you gonna go do? Put Lawson Kraus in his spot or? I don't one know. of the uh, bigger Carson? one of the bigger uh, Coyotes publications tweeted what they think the opening night will look like. Opening night lineup will look like Schmaltz, Boyd, Keller on the top line. Second line, <laughs> guys, ready for this? Second line, Nick Ritchie, Nick Bugstad, Zach Cassian. <laughs> that line Third is going to bang. Boston Crows, Barrett Hayton, Alice Chason. Oh God, yeah. it's a it's a it's a nightmare. Yeah, I don't think any of those guys are like allowed by the NHL to be on a top power. Not play, to mention, so they're not going to take his. They're going to be playing in a five thousand. Yeah, they were stadium. They they tweeted out the other day. I guess they they just got their um, Arizona just got their their room at the at the arena. And they they were tweeting out a tour of it, and it was like I've played on junior teams that have better. Nick Kiprios came like, out and said that this, not Coyotes to, players are pissed. I would be too legitimately like there are junior C teams in, in around us in, in Ontario that have rooms better than this. And they're not NHL teams. If you're a team that's going, you know, it's just crazy going from something like Toronto, like, like you know, Travis Boyd, there, line one centerman Boyd uh, goes from Toronto to Arizona. I mean, not to say he gets to be picky, but uh, it's just a little bit of a culture shock. I wouldn't love it. You're not necessarily a professional athlete this year if you're in Arizona. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. You are, but you just don't get to feel like it. It's your favorite all. team. Be nice. Um, all right. My last pick is Vincent Trocek, <laughs> ADP 157.7. Uh, Trocek's one of my favorites this year because I- I've talked about him a bunch, but you you can really fill out your roster early with wingers, D, goalies, similar to if you're drafting. Like To me, it, it, there's a, an avenue to have an absolutely loaded team where you could just go... Wingers, defense, goalies early, and then Rupe Hintz, Mark Scheifele, Vincent Trocek. Like, yep. And those are your three centers, and you would be completely fine with that. Um, so yeah, Trocek is just, he, he makes things a little bit easier to build around. I would still probably rather go into the season with him as my number three center. If he's a number two, you would, you, you're okay. Um, but I still would prefer him to be my number three, and anything you get upside-wise, which I expect, is just gravy at that point. But I mentioned that um, Artemi Panarin made Artem Anisimov look pretty good. Um, he, he made Pierre-Luc Dubois into the guy uh, that he became, and Ryan Strom was very, very good. Um, so to me, the floor is Ryan Strom. We know Trocek's also going to be on that top power play unit, and uh, I think there's a lot of upside here. Strom became a very serviceable fantasy asset over the years, and I think that that's kind of uh, Vincent Trocek's floor at this point. So uh, I like everything about Vincent Trocek at 157.7. To me, he just kind of makes building your lineup a little bit easier. I will say, since this was nobody else's pick, the guy I really wanted to go with, my gut told me to go with, I actually, sorry, 
Trocek's the guy my gut told me to go with. My sure. heart told me to go with Lucas Raymond. I just we're not going to get to bring him up. So his ADP is currently one forty seven point three. Um, if I had four picks, Lucas Raymond would have been on there for sure. What about five? You can throw your other boy in. there. Yeah, Dylan Larkin as well. One forty four point three. I actually have them ranked back to back ninety seven and ninety eight. They're going about three picks apart. They would be uh, two of my picks. If I had a couple more, just to mention, just throw out some some big discrepancies here. Um, I'm still very high on Brad Marchand, but I didn't want to have to fight with you on a Wednesday night, so I left Brad. Not on hump day, boys. But uh, he he's still going 117. And Tyler Toffoli is a guy that we've talked about quite a bit as being a sleeper. He was uh, it was him or Trocheck for me. I went Trocheck um, just I, because I like the, the lineup flexibility. But uh, Toffoli 165.1. I think like Larkin falls right in there with the kind of how you're saying you can load up on the wings. The 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 D man. I think if you could get him right in there with the Shifleys with the. I think that's if you miss out on Hints or Shifley and yeah. you get Larkin like around later, then yeah, it's really it's totally not bad. Fine. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I've been saying that the whole preseason, right? That's definitely the way to go this year. Uh, Point is another one who didn't make our, our list here, but I think his ADP is like one seventeen. So he's seems like, like so disrespectful that Larkin could have yeah. almost a point per game. What was he was over a point per game, I believe. And that, that's and, what I'm saying. He's right? getting like you can literally shafted. You could literally wait till like the eighth or ninth round, draft Point as your first centerman, and then take like some combination of Larkin, Shifley, and Hints in the next couple yeah. of rounds. And assuming, like I said, you drafted wingers early, like your lineup is just full with point per game guys and you didn't draft a center until the ninth round. It is worth mentioning on Braden Point, uh, Anthony Sorelli out to start the season. Braden Point is on the second line. Steven Samkos is at center with the top line. So a little bit less value, not playing with Kucherov and uh, and Stamkos to start the year. I would yeah. imagine that it's not going to take long for him to get there. But at the very least, if you don't draft him, um, keep an eye on Braden Point because I think he could be an interesting buy low candidate early in the season if he gets off to a slow start not playing with Nikita Kucherov and Steven Samkos. But yeah. let's continue with our picks here. Uh, who you got, D? Uh, yeah, like I said, there were a couple more more steals at center that I would have loved to talk about. But, you know, I just wanted to give uh, a middle-of-the-round winger option that some more love that we uh, haven't talked about, you know, quite enough. Uh, in case you do end up going either, you know, D or goalie heavy earlier on, or, or maybe, you know, you have the first pick, you take McDavid, something like that. Um, so... Uh, had to give a nod to Patrick Line here, given how hard it is to find good value on the wings. Similar to Hughes, Line had a very productive season last year that went a bit under the radar, thanks to him missing an extended period of time. He scored 26 goals, added 30 assists for an even 56 points in 56 games for the Blue Jackets Ooh. in a season where his most common linemates were Boone Jenner and Gustav Nyquist. Uh, his underlying numbers suggest the production more than sustainable, assuming he continues to eat heavy minutes on the power play and the top line which he will. So even if he were returning to the exact same situation with the exact same line, our line mates, I would feel more than comfortable in, in his ability to easily return value on that current ADP of 81.2. And then this is where things start to get exciting, right? Cause you remember the blue jackets added a uh, 115 point 75 assist player in Johnny Goudreau in the off season. Now, none of us expect Goudreau to be able to replicate uh, his performance last year to that extreme, but this is quite clearly a massive, massive upgrade in terms of the quality of line mate for line A, both at 5v5 and on the power play. Their center iceman has changed a bit uh, with Jenner being out. Kent Johnson saw some time there in camp, uh, but it is going to be Jenner, all things or all indications anyway, between Goudreau and line A to start. Uh, for all of Line A's skill and talent as an elite volume shooter, he's never been the most effective play driver at 5v5. He's had to rely on high event hockey to rack up 5v5 points. But Gaudreau is one of the most effective play drivers in the NHL. He's fantastic at getting in and out of his own zone. He creates a ton of shots and scoring chances for both himself 
and his line mates, and he should have line A playing in the right end of the rink much more often this season. So looking at the full package here, you've got what should be a reliable 40-goal point-per-game player who is returning to that same heavy usage, throwing the fact that he's added one of the best playmakers in the league to his wing, and it's easy to see why I'm so high on line A this year and why I wanted to make sure he got uh, an extensive shout-out in this episode because, yeah, current ADP of 81.2. Like I said, if you fall for the lure of one of those top three sentiment in the first round, Matthews, McKinnon, McDavid, or you know you opt to spend a few picks on your defense and goaltending earlier in the draft, line A is definitely one of the ways you can make up for that on the wing. Uh, go after him in the middle rounds. Don't be hesitant to go after him in, you know as early as the late fifth, early sixth round if you're short on high upside wingers because I can honestly say you're not going to find any wingers with a higher floor or more upside than line A after or anywhere near his ADP of 81.2. So... Starting the season with dual wing eligibility on Yahoo to boot. Yeah. Um. Just we don't really do bold predictions. Yeah. Because they're kind of fifty overplayed. But <laughs> my bold prediction for the uh, year, if we were doing an episode, would be that Patrick Line ends up having a better fantasy season than Matthew Kachuk. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I That'd like be it. my bold prediction. It is bold. Yeah. Um. I love him. Like Gaudreau's awesome. I'm just. Yeah. I just, I just worry about. The health, I guess. I mean, we bring it up with other guys, but especially with Line A. I mean, I love him too. I, I think I'm, I'm all with D here, but I just mean to beat to Chuck. Um, this is a guy we talked about, you know, as one and the same with Austin Matthews like four years ago in the draft. As far as goal scoring potential, Matthews has obviously taken quite a big step forward. Um, but I, I agree with D. I don't think you're going to get um, a much higher goal uh, ceiling here or floor. 26 and 56 point. last year. Very like, good. It, yeah. You'd think, like, because the fantasy community overreacts and does stupid shit all the time. This should be an overreaction. Right? Like, why you, is it not? You would yeah. think that Liney would be skyrocketing up draft yeah. boards because he's with Goudreau now. Like, people freak out about that stuff. And then, like, some of these things just don't make sense. Like, Mackenzie Weaver gets straight into Calgary and he's going, like, before Liney or right around Liney. Yeah. It's yeah. like, what are we doing here? Yeah. It's, I I don't know. I, I actually, I don't even have an explanation. I think it's Columbus. I think that's what we can say. Maybe. It's just no one wants to, no one even wants to look into Columbus, but uh, there's good hockey players there, and they, they'll put up some fantasy points. I'll close out this little segment we got going here um, with my final choice, and uh, we brought him up in a few episodes, but I think he needs one final one, and that is Troy Terry out in Anaheim, currently being taken right now. Um, Troy Terry is going 145.2. D kind of mentioned it with line A. You're, you're going to get thin when it comes to goals and wingers later on in the draft. And uh, that's kind of where I like Troy Terry, just to save you a little bit. Um, obviously, a huge breakout year for Terry last year. 37 goals, 36, 67 points. That came off the back of a pretty unsustainable 19.3 shooting percentage. Um, at the same time, though, Terry is someone who has proven you know that he does have that 200 shot potential. If he would have put together a full 82 game season last year, he surely would have passed that number. Um, for a guy going this late in drafts at 145, he ranked ahead of names like Miko Rantan and Mitch Marner and friend of the show Timo Meyer for goals last year. Um, I just think to get a mid 30 or 30 30 potential out of a guy this late in the draft, especially in a weaker uh, position like the winger position, it makes a great steal. The heavy power play usage is really why I like Terry. It's kind of my theme here with my with my my players that I've taken off the board. He's currently not lined up with Trevor Zegers as of today, um, but that is something that can switch. He has had that success with Zegers before, and we've mentioned it in other episodes. This is a team where there are there is some young talent, and that young talent is expected to take a step forward. With that step forward, I think Terry's kind of right in the middle of it. Um, 200-plus shots, mid-30 goal production, 
just under a point per game. I think you can get a lot of value if you have to uh, if you have to panic take Terry. I uh, I wouldn't mind you know t- taking him maybe the one ten mark one twenty mark um, instead of the one forty five. I just think at this point you're gonna get a lot of guys who aren't touching top power play time who aren't playing first line um, and uh, and that that's you know that's what you're gonna get from Terry. Proved it last year that he can take on the high minutes with an eighteen fourteen. Um, time on ice that is that's that's the higher echelon for forwards so if he can do that again put together a full 82 game season i think terry is a great option here i think we haven't even begun to see what zegris can produce and uh, i like the guy on the end of that uh that production so um um, i'm in i think we're in for something uh nice here troy terry and i will take a lot of stocks in him if i can this year especially going that late in drafts um that's just mostly why, what, why, why I chose these guys? They just glaringly stand out as um, shouldn't be there to say that. Yeah, I mean, we talked about how Vetrano could be a potential fantasy piece this year just because he plays with Zegers. So if Terry finds himself back up there, yeah. he's going to explode. And either way, he gets that power. Play I know you're a little higher on Terry than me, but that's why he's your guy, not mine. So yeah, it was my third choice. Um, so you know, we had to uh, we had to go to the bottom of the barrel, but at the same time, um, I just think with the options you're getting on the wing, um. There's not really much else you're going to go with there. Um, a lot of times that 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 spot in your lineup is going to be filled with a free agent player. And uh, yeah, I mean that late in the draft, he's going to outperform his ADP. Yeah, yeah. and you can wait to take him there too. Like that, yeah, that's exactly. the nice thing with Terry. No one's jumping at Anaheim guys. Yeah, exactly. It's obviously there's some concern there, but like with the 19% shooting percentage last year. But personally, like anytime someone's able to sustain a shooting percentage that high over a full season, like he did, like it signifies nicer. to me that yes, they're not going to shoot 90%, but they're probably an, an above average finisher. Yeah. Right. So good goal score. Yeah. yeah. Has finished at 16% before, obviously that was like I know. And then it's, so, yeah, yeah, it's, and then it gets like scary. Cause it's like, you know, the two seasons before that he had a 7% shooting yeah. percentage over 95 games. If you put so the percentage like, together, yeah. they don't even equal 19%. I know, yeah. I know. But then it's like, you know, <laughs> that's why you're taking him at 140. Right. So if, Not if a lot of risk involved, exactly. So if he's anywhere near his career shooting percentage of 14% and he's getting the same usage, he's definitely going to return value on that. ADP. He's still going to score 30 goals. If he shoots yeah. 14%. Yeah, exactly. And he was a player last year at the beginning of the year. Obviously he was pretty much, it was him and Kadri as must pickups off the waiver wire. Um, even at the end of the year, uh, we, we, we've alluded to it. He obviously wasn't as strong, but he was still completely rosterable. Yeah. Um, so I, if he even returns to that side, so I, I don't mind him at the bottom of my roster here. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of banking on Terry, you know, getting a couple more Genos this year. Yep. Maybe not a couple more, but even 37. Oh, top 20 production in gold. Oh, 144 off the board. Oh, that's going to do it for season eight episodes. Streamers. Oh, yeah. You have streaming options I do. to talk yeah. about. That's not going to do it's it. It's not going to do oh. it. All right. Fire it over to streaming options. All right. So... Many fantasy-relevant and drafted players that currently have injury designations. So if you have an extra roster spot or two available, or if you're happy to part ways with your final round flyer in favor of some warm bodies this upcoming weekend, then you should most definitely look to add some Predators or Sharks to your lineup and take advantage of the fact that they will be playing two games on October 7th and 8th while the rest of the league waits until the 11th to play. If you're new or you didn't notice or realize this, it's because they're playing in Europe. Um, So they start their season a couple days earlier. The rest of the league still plays preseason games. It makes no sense, but if your league has drafted and is all set up and ready to go and your uh, period one or week one schedule is set to include the seventh and eighth, then these guys will be playing valid games at that point. We have a draft on Monday, yeah, and I don't know for sure, but when I entered the information in Yahoo, it was like, yeah, you can't start till the 17th. 
Like if you draft on Monday, like you mm. can't even play the first week. The season doesn't start until two days later. And then, That's yeah. tough. Yeah, it was just like, yeah, you can't start until the seventeenth. Like, pardon me, just because these two random ass games, yeah. throwing everything. So it still says maybe you can start when it starts. We'll see what happens once the league starts. But like, you might not start to the seventeenth if you draft after Thursday, which is or Friday, which is such a tease. Yeah, awful. But anyways, if you drafted before. Here's the streaming option. And then just sticking with Yahoo, a fun little tidbit that I have realized this week. If you have matchup acquisition limits, Yahoo leagues are not counting yeah. uh, transactions against the weekly limit until those transactions are effective for the first day or later of yeah. the period. So, you can so what that means is you if you're listening to this today, tomorrow, but October 6th, and your league processes ad drops immediately, you can go in and pick up as many of these guys as you want, and you'll still have a full week's worth of acquisitions at your disposal once Friday rolls around. So nice little way to circumvent your fantasy cap there. <laughs> I'm, at, I'm at 12 already in one league. Yeah. So yeah, you always leave the league at pickups. I mean, it makes yeah. sense that immediately after they might not count against the limits, but it feels like this close to it, they should. But hey, it's fine. Uh, like I said, you can take complete advantage of that if you're a degenerate streamer like myself. Yeah. Um, so if you're a new listener this season and this is your first streaming segment, then let me preface this by saying you might be disgusted by some of the names we recommend here. Yes. Uh, these are generally Not players great. that we think very little in terms of their long-term or season-long value. They're more like DFS punt plays. Like uh, They'll see enough opportunity to potentially get you an extra goal or assist. Maybe a puck goes off their ass, what have you, uh, in a given week that you otherwise wouldn't have. Right? It's just giving you that extra little bit of opportunity. Um, and if you're doing this you know, regularly and you're getting yourself six or seven extra games a week it's going to make a difference you know it's going to eventually swing a matchup your way so all you need to do to be a valid streaming target is to be widely available in leagues play a decent amount of minutes ideally in a team's top six and maybe on the power play uh and, and to play some games and breathing. Yeah, yeah and to play some games on the slower nights of the nhl schedule so of course today i'm just looking at this upcoming weekend we're not looking into the, into the following week just yet so looking exclusively at the preds and sharks going after the two games they're having uh on october 7th and 8th so Predators, uh, Tanner Janot, 66% owned. If you're in a banger league, he's almost certainly rostered. But if you're in a league that doesn't use hits, there's a good chance he's available. I don't even know why I mentioned him here because I'm really not interested in him in non-banger leagues. So, <laughs> uh, good shot volume, a reliable goal scorer, um, likely to, likely to be limited to a role in the bottom six to start the season though, uh, and not seeing really any power play time. So, don't love him outside of banger leagues. But um, if you're in a deeper yeah. league or if you're late to the streaming uh, party this week. You know, he's a, he's a fine consolation. Uh, Ryan Johansson, 33% owned, very solid option, should be centering the Preds' second line and will be on the top power play. A great bet to net you at least one assist across the two games this weekend. Uh, Mikel Granlin, my top streaming target of the weekend. It looks like he's going to be centering Forsberg and Duchesne on the top line and will also be on the top power play unit. You'd love some more goal scoring upside, but we're talking streaming targets here. It's not going to be perfect, but he did have 53 assists last year. So, that is a very, very solid floor that Granlin is bringing to the table here with the two games he's going to be adding to your lineup. You don't normally find that in streaming targets. He's more of a sure bet than we normally see. So I think if you're trying to stream in a couple of extra points and maybe some power play production, Granlin is my best recommendation this weekend. Uh, and then just a couple deeper league dart throws on the Preds. You got Philip Tomasino and Nino Niederreiter. Uh, had to obviously make some room for Nino. <laughs> That's how far he's fallen. He can only squeeze into the streaming segments these days. But uh, they'll both be skating with Johansson on the second line. Should see some time with the second power play unit. I would personally lean Nino over Tomasino. More or less just wanted to say that rhyme. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Nino Tomasino? Yeah. And then that's it for Pred Skaters for me. If there's anyone else you guys think that uh, are worth a crack that you know aren't Forsberg or Duchesne and already owned, feel free to speak up now. You just uh, laid down Tomasino, so we're yeah, not getting exactly. deeper. We already right? got pretty deep. I, it I is a 
Tomasino is the only, like, he's not even a surefire uh, bet to play in right. that spot. So if it is Ely Tolvanen, um, obviously just keep an eye on Whoever's the there. Tolvanen in that second line. <laughs> yeah. um, we're talking warm bodies. That's what we're yes, looking exactly. for here. Uh, and it is a back-to-back. So I'm assuming these teams aren't going to, you know, start their uh, tennies off yeah. by playing two games. Considering Reimer was, got a little bit hurt the other night. He yeah. got ran playing Burn, I believe it was. Yeah. Uh, well, then maybe Kakanen so. will have to play both games. Yeah. But uh, Kevin Lankinen, 2% owned. Uh, for the Preds, would be a great spot start, assuming he does get the second game on Saturday. Uh, and then the Sharks. There's a chance Thomas Hurdle is available at 69%. Uh, if he is, pick him up and honestly make it's a crazy. long-term spot on your roster because I think he should be very reliable this season. Uh, otherwise, we're looking at second-line center Logan Couture, 35% owned, very solid streaming option. We'll see some p- time with the top power play unit as well. And then if none of Hurdle, Couture, Johansson, Granlin are available, then you can consider Luke Coonan, 5% owned, or front of the show, Kevin LeBanc, 1% owned. Coonan on the first line with Hurdle and Meyer. But I would actually prefer LeBanc because I love him. Uh, but no, he's playing with Couture on the second line and should be on the Sharks' top power play unit. He's a, a bit of a power play specialist, as much as you could be without actually being you know, a reliable point producer. So Yep. And a great fill-in while uh, you know, Barabanov is not yeah, there. exactly. Um, so. so personally, nowhere else I'm looking at, at Shark Skaters, you know, <laughs> aside from Eric Carlson, if he's somehow available. Again, obviously someone we think should be rostered long-term. Uh, anyone I'm missing, boys, on the Sharks? I'm in the middle of a fantasy hockey draft as we speak, so I was hardly paying attention. Nice. I apologize. I trusted you fully. You've been the streaming option guy for, for a few years now, so uh, I put this completely in your hands, and I'm drafting perfect uh if you're feeling brave and want to look at playing either goalie in hopes of an unlikely sharks win this weekend uh it's a good chance reimer and kakinen are both available like beep said reimer got banged up so have to monitor he still should be he'll still be going he uh they just took him out of that game Um, yeah yeah so i I like him more if i'm going to spot start one but honestly i would opt for whichever one doesn't have to face uc soros which will more likely be kakinen so who's ever starting that second game uh against lankinen the preds backup then I would be going with that tendy. That's yeah, the one I feel better. I would, I would imagine it's going to be Reimer. They had all their starters out there against Byrne the other night, and Reimer started the game, so yeah. I'd imagine he is... He starts the first, and then yes. Kakanen the second. Yes. So if the Sharks are going to win one of those games, they're more likely to do it uh, against Lankanen than yeah. Saros. So again, I'd rather Saro, or I'd rather Lankanen than either of them, but if someone beats you to Lankanen, uh, I think Kakanen is actually a worthy spot start. Yeah. And that's it. That's going to do it for season eight, episode seven of the Daily Face Out podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to all of these episodes. If you haven't um, drafted already, best of luck. If you have, I hope you drafted a great team because you listen to this podcast all the way through. Thank you guys so much as always. I'm Brock Singer. Dylan D. Berthing to my right. Michael B. is bonding to my left. We'll see you guys back here next week. Do you think ADT is trending on Twitter yet? Peace. When we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.